You're listening to a message from New Life Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Hey, thanks, man. Good job. Thank you. Wow. I was looking up at the, the advertisement there for Canby Bible College. We have six graduates and. I recognize that five of the six are in my pastoral theology and leadership class, so if you're hearing this, do well, folks, because you do have a final that's coming up on Wednesday, so uh, it just occurred to me. That's what, you know when I first met Jeremy, Jeremy was actually in second grade is the, when I met him, and that's no kidding, I did, and um, Jeremy came out here, uh, I think his ninth grade year, they came out when we were out here at New Life. And Jeremy sat down with me, and this, is what, this really has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about today. It has to do with wisdom, uh, and that's what we're going to be doing. So if you want to just get a head start, you can pull out your little bulletin, and on the back, there are blanks that you can fill in, but turn to the book of Proverbs. That's Proverbs chapter 1. Jeremy came to me in ninth grade. He's a lifelong learner. I've watched him do this all of his life, and he, he sat down with me, and he said, Pastor Ron, I want you to mentor me. And I said, what do you want me to mentor you in? What is your question? And the first question he asked, which I thought was a very incredible, wise question, he said, how do you get a wife like Annette? That's the first question he asked me. No kidding you. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. He said, how do you get a wife like Annette? And I said, well, there are three G's to this. You've got to be godly, gorgeous, and a gamer. And she's, again, an athlete. And I said, that's what I was looking for. And God uh, fulfilled my dreams. And I can see that's happened to him as well with Rebecca. So there's a lot of mentoring that can go on. But you never know what's going to happen in your life. You never get the answers that you need in life until you ask the right questions. And that's really what wisdom is all about. And so we're going to look at this in just a moment. Oh, by the way, we, had a, we did have a great Easter. We hosted over 2,000 people on campus here. And so we had a wonderful Easter. The community wrote to us, told us they loved that. Yeah, go ahead. They loved our time uh, and their time here. So uh, it, was, uh, it was pretty incredible. And then we had that great big, big Easter egg hunt, and my thanks, my deepest thanks to our, our volunteers, and Annette, thanks for leading that. Your team led it so well, but we had all kind of folks on this campus. I don't know, how many made the Easter egg hunt? Did you make it? Okay, good. Well, yeah, that was incredible. That was just so good, and we just love this community, and we're so thankful that we get an opportunity to host, and I can't think of a better group of people, a better church than to host a community than you. Um, because those are the comments we kept getting is how people were welcomed, how warmly they were invited into this place and treated. And so I'm so thankful for that because we really need those safe havens today, uh, those places of hospitality we can go and our soul can actually rest and we can feel safe and we know God's working. And so I am excited for that and, and, uh, and uh, looking forward to the days ahead when we host our community again. So today we're starting a a new teaching series from the book of Proverbs titled, Get Smart. And so you can see we're really original there, but we thought we would just jump in and talk about it. So who wrote Proverbs? Well, it was a guy named Solomon. Solomon was the son of one of the greatest kings, if not the greatest king of Israel, and that is David. So why should we pay attention to King David's son? Well, there are a lot of reasons, one of which I think is because Solomon had an incredibly difficult job. And maybe you can identify with this. He had to follow a very successful leader. 
And I think that's an incredibly difficult job. In fact, um, following a, a very successful leader may be one of the most difficult things or hardest things that you can do in life. And what happened with Solomon is one night he went to sleep, he had a dream, and God came to him and says, Solomon, I'll give you whatever it is that you want. Now, now think about that just for a moment. Think about God coming to you in a dream and saying to you, I will give you whatever it is you want. What would your answer be? I mean, some of us may say, you know, give me a lot of gold, make me wealthy, um, a world power. I'd like to be a world leader. Some might even say, well, I would love to have peace. Solomon answers and he says, I want to be a great leader. And to be a great leader, I need wisdom. And this was Solomon's request. I mean, now all the things he could have responded, all the ways he could have answered, he said, I need wisdom. And God gave him tremendous wisdom. In fact, he was so wise, he wrote his wisdom down for you and me. And that's what we have in the book of Proverbs. So when we unpack the book of Proverbs, I want you to know it's coming from a very wise person. Someone who asked of God to have that kind of wisdom to be a good leader. Now, it's not just being a good leader in business ventures or otherwise. It's being a good leader in just life. I mean, it takes that godly wisdom to be a mom, to be a dad, to, to be a son, to be a daughter, to be whatever role or responsibility you carry right now. We need wisdom today. And here's what it says, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 1. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. So why should we gain wisdom and instruction? Why get understanding? Why does Proverbs matter to me today? Why does it matter to you today? Well, it matters because we face, we face decisions every single day. In, in fact, you are probably one of, uh, if not the greatest generation in, that has had to deal with the, uh, the number of decisions you have to make. You are saturated with making decisions every day. From the time you wake up to the time you go to bed at, at night, you have to make decisions. And it seems that the world that we live in is in short supply of wisdom. Our knowledge is off the charts. I mean, no one would say that we live in a, a, a world that lacks knowledge. We live in a very knowledgeable world. Not so much when it comes to wisdom. I'm not sure if wisdom even shows up on our charts oftentimes. I mean, look around. Look at the world that we live in. So we need wisdom today. You need wisdom. So let's be honest up front. We make a lot of bad decisions. I've made a lot of bad decisions. How many would make say that's true? Lift your hand. And if the bad decision is sitting next to you, don't lift your hand, please. We don't want that. Uh, we don't want fights before you leave the building. But yeah, there are decisions we make in life. Those decisions are bad decisions. Why? It's we absolutely need the wisdom of God. So that's where we are today. We make those. We need to be a group of people who make good decisions. We are one of the most influenced group of people on the planet that has ever lived. There are a lot of things that influence you today. There are so many things that influence you. And they've done a scientific study on what influences you, what influences me. One of the things that influences us today is our, our environment, the environment that we're part of, that we live in. Another is emotional frustration. Decision fatigue, as I mentioned earlier. Changing culture. And believe it or not, this is actually scientific. There is one more that you, wouldn't, might, you might not even think about, and it has a lot to do with decision-making. It is, and it's, it's really, it's in the top five, a full bladder. 
That's another thing that you don't make good decisions when you have a full bladder. That's what they're telling. Scientists say that. Biologically, it affects your decision to be wise. And so there are a lot of things. When you look around, there are a lot of things that affect the decisions that we make today. We live in a should I age. Should I buy it? Should I say it? Should I apply it? Should I date him? Should I date her? So much vying for our attention. Do you know what is almost at the top of influencing you today? Especially in a a younger generation. If you're like 40 years and younger, what influences you the most? Now, I'm not not coming at you subjectively, and I'm not coming at you as, as an old guy. I'm coming to you with science. Scientists have studied this, and you know what they've come up with? If you can read the recent studies, and they all uh, collaborate this information, they say that they know the frequency in which you look at this. And what they understand is they've hacked into your brain a bit by the frequency you take this out and look at it because what they're determining, what they're saying when you do that, is you're looking for an endorphin rush right at the moment that you pull it out and look at it. Something that feeds back to you something that's good. Does someone like me? Does someone want me? Does someone need me? And by pulling this out and looking at it, what they're able to do is they're able to develop apps that go on and they just blink for you about the time of the frequency that you check on this just so you get it fed, that endorphin. That, by, by the way, when you continually feed, that's called an addiction. <laughs> just let you know that's the term or definition. This is one of the ways that we are incredibly influenced today And we carry it around, most of us, probably in our back pocket or our purse. And it's something that influences our hearts today, our lives today. And so what we need to be aware of is we need to be aware of what wisdom really is all about. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to study a few passages from Proverbs this morning that that I think will set the stage for the next several weeks. And this is in no way a chronological study. I've asked some of our teachers and preachers to be part of this team. You're going to be hearing from different people. And I've asked them just to take certain studies out of the book of Proverbs that would really fit them. That they can come and talk to you about things that they see in the book of Proverbs that have been meaningful to them, uh, that, that, have, that have really shaped the way that they live life. And I'm excited about that because we've got a great team. So again, the reason this is so important to us is because no one can lead a good life with bad decisions. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. It says, For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables and sayings and riddles of the wise. And here's probably one of the most important verses in the Bible. Verse 7, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, Solomon is answering the question, why do we need wisdom? Now, did you notice that that the young and the discerning, by the way, when you see the word discerning, typically means those are a little more mature, older, are both mentioned here in this passage. What Solomon is saying to us is that no matter how young or old we are, we never should stop seeking wisdom. He's saying if you're young today, keep seeking wisdom. If you're older today, keep seeking wisdom. Now, when, when Old Testament scholars study 
study uh, the book of Proverbs. One of the things that they do, and this is something that I want you to be aware of, that they look at that word wisdom. Whenever that word is, wisdom is used, oftentimes it's with a capital W. It's the personification of Jesus Christ. So we who seek wisdom are seeking Christ. If you're going to seek Jesus, you're going to seek wisdom. If you're seeking wisdom, ultimately you're going to, I mean godly wisdom, you're going to find Jesus. I mean, I know people who didn't know Jesus from Adam and they wanted to seek wisdom, godly wisdom. They didn't maybe know that that was their journey, but they did. And who did they run into? <laughs> they ran into Jesus is who they ran into. It's amazing. So when we open up this passage of Scripture, don't just think it as kind of an isolated book in the Bible that just deals with the technicalities of wisdom. This deals with a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this deals with. Jesus here, and the way I read it, whenever I see that word wisdom, I make the personification, I translate it into Jesus. I say, wow, this is incredible. Look at verse 7 again. Probably the most, again, important verse in all the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these verses and ask the question, what is it? What is wisdom? What is wisdom? You, you see, if, if you don't have the right starting and the ending point, uh, what good is it? So if you don't really know what wisdom is, you're not going to get to the right place. So we need to know what that means. You're going to end up with the wrong, at the wrong location. Um, last Thursday, my granddaughter... I was helping her with one of her history papers, and they, they told her, you know, hey, pick a, a figure in history and, and, and do study on that. And they took like two or three months to really, really jump into someone's life and study this person's life. And so Ella and I were spending time. She's a history buff. I'm a history buff. She was talking to me about it. I said, girl, what, what, what history figure are you going to study? And she said, I want to study uh, Queen Victoria. And I said, well, that's, that's great. I mean, there's a lot of things we can learn from Queen Victoria. So let, talk to me. And we, we, we talked every time we got together. And finally, the other day or the beginning of the week, she was going to give her presentation on Thursday. And I really wanted to be there. I, I, I just really wanted to be there. We went over it on Wednesday a few times. She read it to me. I just gave her a few pointers. She was excited. And so Thursday, I'm at an appointment off campus. And I think I got to get to, I got to get there. I got to get there at 2 o'clock because her presentation is like at about 2.20. And so, you know, I had, the bad thing was I didn't have my glasses, and I looked down. I knew it was at Rolling Hills Church, but I wasn't sure from where I was coming from all the different turns that you take to get there. So I looked at my, I looked at my phone, uh, the thing that I'm addicted to. I looked at my phone, and I hit, it just said Rolling Hills, and I popped the button, Rolling Hills. And I started driving, and I got into it about three or four miles, and I'm thinking, this isn't going to the Rolling Hills that I know. And then I looked again, and I pulled over, and I went, oh, my goodness. I was going to Rolling Hills Winery is where I was headed. I was headed <laughs> to the winery and not the church. A big difference, big difference. Um, and so I had to recalibrate that and throw it in there and say Rolling Hills Church. I got there. I got there on time. But here's what would have happened. I, I, if you put in, if you plug in the wrong data, you're not going to get to the right place. And so it's incredibly important we understand what in the world is wisdom. Here's the lesson. Again, if you start in the wrong data point, you end up in the wrong location. So here's my question to you today. Have you ever taken time to say, God, you define what I should go after in the area of understanding? Have you ever come to that place and said, God, I want you to define this. I want you to tell me what this is all about. God, you're the one who is all wise 
and, and you define wisdom for me. To know how God defines wisdom, we need to look at these passages again. So I want you to look at some key words that really stand out here, key terms. Look at verse 1 that we just read, the passage we just read. The word there, and if you want to, you can even underline this in your Bible, the word insight. You know, we read this, we're not always sure what it means. Let me tell you what insight means. It means to take note of the difference. Now this is important. Because there are a lot of things that you look at today. There are a lot of decisions that you're making today. And some of them look very similar. They, they look like each other. Insight, true, godly insight means I look at it and I say, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. They kind of look like the same, but there is a difference here. Insight is the ability to see the difference. That's really what insight is in verse 1. In verses 2 and 3, it repeats the word a few times, the word instruction. The word instruction is to apply knowledge for character growth. Not just knowledge for knowledge's sake. Instruction here means that you're applying knowledge so that you grow in character. That you grow, and we're going to say this, that we grow to be more like Jesus Christ. That's why we want instruction in our lives. Verse 3 is the word prudence. And sometimes when you hear that, the images come up. Maybe Queen Victoria comes up. I mean, that's because of the Victorian age. There are a lot of, but prudence really is a wonderful word. I love the word prudence. And here's what it means. It means simply to be strategic. It means to be strategic. It means to not only know what your goal is, where you're going, but it's how to get there. That's prudence. A prudent person looks at a goal and they say, you know what, there's a way to get there and I want to find the best way there. How many know what that's like? I mean, you've got a business plan it all looks good on paper and then the first day you start and you're going, uh-oh, I took my first wrong step. <laughs> I need to have prudence. I need to ask God for prudence so that I can get to where he wants me to be so that I'm strategic in my decisions. Uh, verses four and five talk about the word and repeat the word discernment. Discernment is this. I'm going to put it just kind of in lay terms for me. It's the best way I understand things. Is knowing when to take risks. I think that's discernment. Discernment isn't living a fearful life or always being, you know, holding on to what you have and being discerning like that. Discernment means there are times you recognize you take risks. And then you recognize when it's not the right time to take risks. You know, what was incredible at this was Jesus. I mean, Jesus advocates that we take risks. He advocates that we are discerning people to know when to take those risks. Don't you think it was a risk when he told those fishermen boys and he said, hey, follow me. I mean, do you think that's a risk? Oh, yeah. It's a risk personally. It's a risk to the father's business, who was, a, who, who was the fisherman, who owned the business. There's a risk there. But Jesus came up, knew when to say it, knew how to say it. And these men, these women that followed Jesus understood what it was like to live with discernment. And then verse 7, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Oftentimes when we think of the word fear, and rightfully so, we draw the conclusion that, that it's a very negative thing. And there is negative fear. Certainly there's negative fear. But when it's talking about the fear of the Lord, what it's saying here is it's the anticipation of greatness. That there's something so awesome ahead of me. There's something so amazing. Have you ever, have you ever had that happen where you just kind of, it takes your breath away, you get a glimpse of whatever that is, and you go, whoa. 
I mean, some of you who came to faith in Jesus Christ have experienced that. You've gone, wow, I have just stepped into a world that I had no knowledge of, and I do now, and this is awesome. This is amazing. It takes your breath away. My oldest son, Ronnie, made me a father. No one else made me a father. He made me a father. I had the other kids. They have a special attachment to me. I have a special attachment to them, but they didn't make me. I was already a father when they came along. It was that first one. And I told him that when he was growing up. I said, man, we got to get along because you were the one I owe you. You made me a dad. You know, you really did. You made me a dad. And I would tell you what, when they handed that boy to us with no instructions um, outside that door and I put him in my car, I'm looking for a nursing staff to go with us. You know, I'm thinking, well, is anyone going, don't they know that we're just kids? I mean, my wife, we're not, we're not that old and we've never done this before. We don't know how to do this. And I'm thinking the doctor's jumping in. You know, that's what you feel like, huh? Because you're looking around and you're looking for something, a manual, something. Tell me how to do this. That feeling that you have when you take that child and you strap that child into the car seat and you're driving home and you're going, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus. I mean, my head was on a swivel and still is. The rest of my life, my head is on a swivel because I'm making sure I'm taking care of it. There's something awesome about that. And I'm looking at this kid going, whoa, boy, you got potential. You got potential. It's that anticipation of greatness that you have for your kids. You look at them, it's the same thing. That's the fear of the Lord. Negative fear are bad things that we go around and think maybe they can happen to me. That's not a good fear. That's not a good fear. You know, that, that thing, you, that, that thought you always, that thought. I love what Montague says. He goes, you know, some of the, um, some of the worst things that ever happened to me never really happened to me because they were all in my head. You know, I mean, that's what he's saying. We, we create a lot of fearful scenarios. That's not the kind of fear it's talking about here. That positive fear is, is a great respect for God. It's an anticipation of greatness. You know, positive fear, what it's talking about here is God saying to you, I want you to be part of my story. I want you to be part of the story. Isn't that an incredible privilege? That through Jesus Christ... Inviting him into our lives that what we're being included in is the story of God. That's incredible. That's what he's speaking of here. So here it is. When wisdom is the courage to face reality and respond with competency. I think that's really one of the greatest definitions of wisdom. Wisdom is the courage to face reality and respond with competency. It's not in denial. It's not burying your head. It's dealing with reality. But knowing that God's got everything in control. In our culture, we want to bend reality to our preference. Would you say that's true? Am I making a true statement there? We want to bend reality to fit our preferences. To fit our lifestyles. To fit the way we think. That's the way we want to work with reality. A wise person realizes that you can't bend reality to your preference. You can't do it. Now, it doesn't mean that you run from reality. It doesn't mean you don't face reality, but you don't bend it to your preference. Can I say something here I've never, I've never, I've never talked about before but I, 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 publicly? But I have sat down with a lot of different people, and I've talked about something, a subject that, that we don't address all the time. 
And it has to do with the legalization of marijuana. I mean, I've sat down with young people and I've looked across the table and they start talking about their use of marijuana because it's been legalized. And I'm thinking, wow, because something's legalized doesn't mean that's good for you. If that's true, then go to Nevada if you want a prostitute. I'm just saying. You don't do that. You don't, you don't do that. You don't live that way. Paul says, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. So I want to tell you what I do here. When we sit down and we talk about this, I ask questions. I'm not making statements. I'm asking questions. Do you believe it's a mood-altering drug? Yes. Be careful of any mood-altering drug, including sugar. I'm just saying. Food, alcohol, pornography, all those are mood-altering drugs. They, they wire your brain funny. So are you with me right here? Are you with me on this one? So we're talking about wisdom. We're, about, we're talking about how to make decisions. So it's good to ask questions when you're in that process. Do you believe it's a mood-altering drug? Everyone says yes. Everyone. No one said no to me. Then I say, when you face a difficult circumstance, do you turn to your bong or do you turn to Jesus? Which, which one? I'm, I'm, I'm asking. Where do you go to find help? Where do you go to find relief? Just be honest. Talk to me about that. Those that are real honest, you know what they say? The B instead of the J. I said, then what we're facing right now is because something's legalized doesn't mean it's wise to use it. It doesn't mean it's wise to dive into that thing. So here are three responses that we have when we are under pressure. One is anxious. I mean, we know this. And you're one of these three. We're all in, we all fit here somewhere. You're anxious. Uh, when you're threatened, you, you get out of there. And they call that flight. I mean, if you've studied that before, flight. Number two, aggressive. <laughs> when, when you're threatened, you get in there. That's called fight. All right? Uh, I remember as a freshman, I was called up to play uh, varsity baseball. I was still in junior high. I put my cleats and my glove on the bike, the 10-speed bike, and I pedaled to the high school. And I got to the high school, and these were grown men. These guys were playing ball, had beards and muscle cars and girlfriends in the stands. I had peach fuzz and a t-shirt, you know, and I'm thinking, whoa. And I get up there, and the guy says, you need to go in, bat, you're batting. And this is the first guy I'd ever seen that was 6'4", weighed 240, just been drafted by the Baltimore Orioles, could throw 94 miles an hour. I've never seen anyone throw that ball that fast. So I got up there, and I stood in the batter's box. And when you're taking batting practice, for those that don't know, the pitcher usually will tell you what he's going to throw you. A fastball, that's a curve. Fastball, curve. He went like this. So he me, what I'm saying is he's throwing me a curve. So I'm standing in there, man, my little body's in there. This guy's huge. He steps halfway to me to throw the ball. It's coming 95 miles an hour. He's telling me he's throwing a curve, and I'm hanging in there. It never curves. He throws a fastball because he wanted to haze me as a freshman. He hits me in the ribs. I mean, right in the ribs. After I got done coughing up blood, I grabbed my bat and I chased him all over the field. All over the field. And the coach is running after me. He said, don't hurt him, don't hurt him. It looked funny because five, six, chasing six, four. That just like, so my response to that threat was fight. But some others have a response. It's, uh, it's philosophical. When there's a threat, you, you slow down and you think about what to do. So here's the truth. You are one of these three. 
And listen, each response is right sometimes and wrong most of the time. You get that? So you are naturally wired. Your your natural wiring is that it's wrong most of the time. Wisdom is not responding to your instinct. Wisdom is overcoming my instincts and acting according to God's word. We have taught our children. Here, tell me if this phrase sounds familiar. You've taught your children to find themselves. That's a very common phrase. We use that. Find yourself. When we should be teaching them to find the wisdom of God. That's what we should be teaching. That's much more important. So here's my question. Where do you need to be more honest about the realities that you face? Where do you need to be more honest about the realities you face? Now listen to Proverbs 1, through 26. It says, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke. Sounds kind of like my 13-year-old. Man, I'm just reading this, aren't you? This kind of, I, I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. Wow, that's not very cheerful, is it? So let, let, me give you the, let me give you the intent of that passage. The intent is that God is not laughing at anyone. That's not what's happening. God is not laughing at you. This is speaking from the voice of wisdom. That when you're not doing these things, you look over and you realize you're devastated now. And wisdom stands there and in your eyes appears like it's mocking. Even if it doesn't, that's what it feels like. What it's saying is that if you refuse to learn this material here, eventually it will come back and laugh at you. This is why we must take time and say, God, we want you to define wisdom for us. We want your word to talk to us about wisdom. And here's something else. Wisdom, what is the cost of living without it? So what is it? What is the cost of living without it? That's a good thing to know, isn't it? You know, we struggle with this because we are great at living in denial. Um, we have those mechanisms. And according to Proverbs, there are two types of people who don't count the cost of living without wisdom. One is mentioned here, the simple. Do you see that? It's mentioned, and Solomon mentions that again and again. Mostly, that means young and naive who are influenced by the crowd. That's really the definition of simple. Young, naive, influenced by the crowd. So they, they'll go wherever the crowd goes. They'll do whatever the crowd tells them to do. Jump off this bridge. Great, I'll jump off that bridge. Take this. Okay, I'll take that. I mean, it's, it's just one of those kind of, that's what simple is. Then you have the other here. That's the fool. And the fool is defined this way. Mostly the person who is wise in their own eyes and blinded by their own ego. So you notice the difference here? Notice the difference between the, the fool and the simple? The simple takes everyone's counsel. The fool takes no one's counsel. Isn't that incredible? There's somewhere in here you've got to find. That's wisdom. One listens to everyone. The other listens to no one. Both the simple and the fool are asking the wrong question. And here it is. If you can go away with anything, 
please go away with this. And it does refer back to some of the analogies and stories and examples I've already given you. Here it is. This is the wrong question. Is there anything wrong with this? Wrong question. Is there anything wrong with marijuana? Is there anything wrong with alcohol? Is there anything? I mean, you can ask all those questions. Is there anything wrong with it? How many know when you ask that question that you're getting closer and closer to the line? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. That's the wrong question. But it's the question we ask all the time. Well, I can do this. There's nothing wrong with it. That gets you in trouble. Because here's the best question to ask. Is this wise? That's the question. Is this wise? When we ask, is it wrong, that's, that's, you're going at it from the wrong direction. But when you ask, is it wise? So let me, let me frame that for you. Is it wise in light of my past? We all have a past. Is it wise in light of my present? Is it wise in light of God's future hopes and dreams for me? Is it wise? That's the question to ask. Please, parents, teach your children to ask this question. Not is it wrong, but is it wise? And here, here's the last thing. It's in Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 6. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. I love that. So here's the last question I want to ask. Where can I find wisdom? What is wisdom? Where can I find wisdom? What happens to me if I lack wisdom? These are great questions. That's what this passage answers for, for us. It tells us where we can find wisdom. Let me, let me walk you through a few words there that tell you how to do this. Verse 1 says this. It says store up. The word here simply means study with humility. Study with humility. That's what it's saying here. Be a lifelong learner. Commit yourself to learning. No matter what your age or your circumstances or where you are in life. Be a lifelong learner. Study with humility. The next is this, in verse 2. I love what it says here. In verse 2 it says, Turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. What it's saying there is, please, seek feedback from the mature. Seek feedback from the mature, those who have gone ahead of you a bit. Those who are down the road a little ways. Now, for those seeking the mature, can I say something? Let me qualify something for you. When we say it's the mature... It doesn't mean it's the perfect. Because there are some under this illusion that, well, I'm going to follow this person because they're mature. And then they make mistakes and you see their mistakes and you're kind of, wow. That's not, it's there, no one that you choose to follow is going to ever be perfect. Does everyone understand that? Okay. And you're going to look at them and say, wow, they blew it there. Yep, that's exactly what happened. But it says here, though, Proverbs still tells us, follow those. Get feedback from the mature, not the perfect. Verse 3, 
Verse 3 says this, Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry, listen to that word, cry aloud for understanding. What's it saying there? It's saying suffer without giving up. That word cry out is really mean. In the pangs of life that you're going through, there's times, and we all do, we go through suffering. It's not telling us like our uh, culture wants us uh, to believe or tells us today to avoid suffering. How many know that's an impossible journey? You want to go, it, it's impossible. You can't avoid suffering. So what does the psalm, uh, what does the proverb say? What does Solomon say here? Solomon says you're going to go through suffering. So hey, why don't you get the most out of it? I mean, hey, why don't you gain wisdom from that? So suffer without giving up because you can't avoid suffering. So learn from it. And then verse 4, I like what it says here. And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, search with persistence. Keep looking and asking and searching and seeking. This is what brings wisdom. This, this is how we can find wisdom in our lives. And, and I, love, I love the book of Proverbs. And for those that are looking for a study to do, notice that Proverbs has 31 chapters, one chapter for each day except for this month. Um, And there's a few others. But you can do that. I mean, if you're looking just to get a start, how do I prime the pump in studying the Word? How do I even get into this? Let me give you just simple. Uh, What's today? What's the date today? 23rd? Go to the 23rd Psalm or uh, Proverb and read it. Just do that. Just do that. Tomorrow go to the 24th and 25th. See, just get into the mix of understanding how God defines wisdom for you and me. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Bow your head with me. God, thank you for our time together. You are all wise. And we seek Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.